The Federal Reserve keeps rates unchanged, acknowledging that the economy is strong. We're going to have to wait till the next meeting in November to see if interest rates are going to move at all before the end of the year, at least the Fed funds rate. Investors have been asking themselves, are rates going to get lower anytime soon? And the answer is not yet and maybe not for a long time. We've got a piece talking about that. Also, from the John Burns Research Consulting, are we looking at a home supply glut in the United States? A ton of new supply is coming online, apartments, single-family homes. What does it mean for the future? We're going to talk about that, as well as a piece. I'm really a, a LinkedIn post from our Jay Parsons uh, from RealPage. Again, talking about this relationship between cap rates and interest rates. Is there any correlation not related? entirely have nothing to do with each other or is there some relationship there what does it mean to real estate investors we're going to continue to look into that also from pro market the university of chicago booth school of business evaluating concerns of collapsing commercial real estate prices we are seeing cap rates expand but what does that mean and what do we do about it i'm um, in finally from apartment list a national rent report for october 2023 also you know matt and i are going to throw out some Random opinions, insights, what we see going on in the market. So if you are a multifamily investor of any kind, active, passive, this is it's the right show for you. We're on YouTube, wherever you can get your podcasts, covering all the latest research reports, data, anything that's going on in the multifamily market, the housing market, real estate, the macro economy. We're going to discuss it, break it down, isolating the most important information so you can make some really well-informed decisions. All right, strap in. We've got a great show. Dr. Matt Bosnoggle, he's with us again today. All right, let's get into it. All right, welcome back to The Great Report. Joined again by Dr. Matt Bosnoggle, Director of Communications and Marketing, producer Hello. of The Great Report. Matt, how you doing? This Almost tip the mic over. Um, I am doing pretty good, actually. Well, you're in a different um, spot than you usually are. So I know, I know. It is new orientation. Yeah, hard. <laughs> That's right. I'll get used to it. Um, I think that the greater uh, multifamily industry has been thinking a lot about uh, a, a lot about interest rates and a lot about you know the uh, the effect of this higher for longer environment and where you know and where valuations are. And, you know, it's just, I get, I keep getting more and more reports and more and more opinion pieces on, you know, what does this mean? Where, where should we be at? Where should everything be priced? Is it inappropriate right now? Um, and a lot like, of confusion out there. It's, it's a lot of confusion and, and, I, and it, it's, it's a little gratifying that we, you know, that we have been thinking of, you know, that, that we're kind of aligned with whatever, but like, and there's not a whole lot to, else to think about for some of these investors That's and true. people that are looking to buy or or looking to sell too. Um, and it, you know, and just based on what we talked about a little bit just before this, it looks like maybe there are some cracks forming. And um, I keep thinking though, and I've, I've I've said this probably too many times, and you'll have to start correcting me and telling me to stop repeating myself. People are going to have a write-off 2024 if they're looking for significant growth outside of like some few some few examples. If we're talking about the average apartment market performance, you mean just um, mean there's there's just we're not going to see that much rent growth. It's going to be a just a tough operating year in 24. Yeah, it'll be a tough yeah. operating year, and if you buy at current cap rates and interest rates, then 2024 is not going to have the growth required 
to drive any kind of returns. It would be maybe flat. I don't know. Uh, we're, we're almost approaching that point of, of the cap rate interest rate spread as basically even. And uh, that doesn't account for operating costs. So if you're relying on growth that does not arrive, then, um, then that's going to be very difficult. And hopefully it will inspire some action from um, some well, for some operators in, in the market. Anyway, so so Matt, yeah, the the 10-year treasury and, and cap rate spread, you know, it, it's it's tough. And what's tough is because there's a lot of different investors out there mm -hmm. and and uh there's going to be a preference from, you know, the market, especially brokers and lenders, people who are doing deals who are willing to pay up for some of these deals. Um who are saying who are saying, you know, now is still a good time to transact. And and, and it's always a uh, there, it's always a time where you can transact. There's no yep. always good, always bad. There's there's mm -hmm. good deals to be found in 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 any market. There's but it also it, it's not a absolutely objective exercise. You know, an investment to one person can be looked at completely differently um, by by another. You know, an institution yeah. is going to have very different goals than an individual. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that the institution is doing a bad deal for them. Um, it just means that they have different goals and objectives than, you know, individuals. Mm -hmm. And, but there's also, um, there's just, there's a lack of kind of consistency in where the market is. And so that no one is really sure what they should expect. Yeah. Um, and so with that uncertainty, um, you know, a lot of the smaller investors and syndicators who are wanting to see, you know, higher returns because you have to go out there and raise capital, you know, equity capital. It's harder to do because you know what what is that return that makes sense for an institution? They just have to get money out, and you know, like them, like many of us, think that real estate is a great long term investment, mm -hmm. and you know they they don't need to um, you know hit a hit huge return. They just need to allocate some capital, and they have to allocate it. Um, yeah, in, in in many cases. And they so, and they're making yeah, and they're making some some cold decisions based on that based on that need and that, and kind of an imperative. Yeah. Versus maybe, you know, it, the calculations may be different if you're, I, I think too, if you're holding a different amount of assets, then then maybe you, if you have a smaller amount of assets, then you may not have the room to, uh, to, to sell any one of them. But if you're holding a bunch of them, then maybe on the, in the aggregate, you can afford to sell one to, to kind of save the others. If it, if that makes any sense, if you're trying to recapitalize. Yeah, well, you know, we've talked a lot, Matt, about I think the last couple of weeks of some of the, maybe the smaller players having some issues, just not being very well capitalized. We're going to see maybe some distress from some of the maybe the newer syndicators. Um, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, not even like the the larger kind of middle market um, private equity firms, some of the big institutions like the REITs out there, we may see some of this stress. It may not even come in the form of distress. Um, really, kind of in some ways decisive action um, because you know, they have a lot of tools um, to use and to restructure and yeah. they have huge portfolios. And, you know, just I was talking to you, I, you know, ran into an example recently, you know, the quarter obviously ended um, a little more than a month ago, the third quarter, we're starting to get um, earnings reports out and press releases in the filing uh, SEC filings, these eight K's from a lot of uh, apartment REITs. And one uh, kind of caught my eye a little bit, and it's an example of how when you get so big, you know, you can sell deals at a loss um, to create a positive outcome. And mm -hmm. again, your 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 strategy is is much you know different. You know, if if 
compared to if you have a portfolio of 10 or 20 properties. You yeah. can't sell you know, yeah. five or 10 of your 20 uh, property portfolio at a loss and really ever and be able to make that back easily mm -hmm. because you know if you lose 50 percent you got to make 100 percent you know mm -hmm. to get to get that back um but so you know in this one case and i'll, I'll just share a piece of their um the press release independence realty trust um they're going through a portfolio optimization and deleveraging strategy you know it doesn't go into all the details just on this press uh press release i listened to the press conference yesterday and in their their 8k filing um but uh, essentially that they, they nine at they, they acquired 10 properties between you know december 20 around 20 20 december 2021 as a part of a merger um with steadfast realty and um they need to raise cash to optimize and deleverage their entire portfolio and so they're going to try to sell 10 of these properties out of their 100 and i think 15 property portfolio and so they're going to try to generate about you know 500 to 530 million dollars of proceeds to use to they're going to quote Proceeds used to immediately um, delever our balance sheet. And getting into mm -hmm. their press conference, specifically, they have loans coming, uh, maturities coming due, um, that they need cash to be able to cover and delever and pay down debt. A lot of um, interest rate caps, you know, that are expiring. Mm -hmm. you know, they're they're trying to reduce the debt on their balance sheet with an objective, uh, you know, not to you know get the highest return, but to get a better. Um, credit rating to get an investment yeah. grade rating hmm. so hmm. they can go out and raise more money hmm. to then when you know the buying opportunities you know come in the near future to be able to take advantage of that but they're planning to sell these properties at a loss one they're saying um one property in chicago they're already um they're already basically are writing it off and they're planning to write up write off up to four of out of the ten properties completely at, at, at a as a as a loss and are expected to have an estimated when they after the completion of all sales um they are expecting to recognize an aggregate net loss of approximately 39 to 51 million dollars you know and part of that is going to be 11.3 million dollar impairment charge from writing off a property in chicago and then they have and they're going to have an estimated 55 to 63 million dollars in impairment charges from basically writing off properties that are going to come take place um, before the end of 2023. Yeah. Um, and so this is to put them in a better financial situation for the future, which I think that it, it seems like a smart move for them. But this is the type of activity that's start that's going to start moving markets when players need to dump assets quickly. They just need to yeah. dump it, fire sale it, because getting that being able to delever in protecting their balance sheet has much um more fruitful long-term prospects than holding on to these in, these properties and markets that they don't even they don't yeah. have any other scale in yeah it's so, like the cost of staunching the damage there or of reducing you know the benefit of that is is far far outweighs 
uh, the idea, the loss that they would incur by writing off those properties. And I, you know, to return it, like it's the, some maybe of the smaller syndicators, they are, it's either all or nothing. They're like, well, no, we gotta, we gotta find this good price and this is going to go right. Or it doesn't matter. We won't, we won't have to worry about a, a, a credit rating. That's the least of our worries. You know, there may be far, far bigger things if, you know, if, if they're only, if they only have 10 properties and they're all exactly, you can't, you can't, how, exactly. If you're a somewhat new syndicator and you've done a few deals, you, you can't sell one at a loss. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, because as a re in their mind, you know, if they sell these properties at a loss, it's not like their re investors or equity goes to zero. In fact, mm -hmm. the, the, the stock price of the REIT may go up eventually. Now it's real, it's like bottoming out or it's bottoming out from the past couple of years. Like right now, a lot of the REITs have been. So, I mean, the, the damage has already been done. If anything, this is going to get the energy for them to, you know, get have a better financial position going forward and raise more money and see their stock price go up. And but yeah. for an, a syndicator, you sell property a loss that equity or or you know a partial loss of equity, you know that's a real loss to a real investor. Um, and, and so again, it, it's again we we go back to there's different buyers with different objectives. Like it, it, you really can't. It's hard to compare the two objectives of an institutional investor like a REIT and mm -hmm. a syndicator or like a family office or an individual investor that, you know, may happen to own, you know, a whole apartment, you know, th themselves that may be like a 1031 buyer. Um, th there could be so many different circumstances that is, you know, just continuing to, you know, keep the market afloat in an, in an environment where we're seeing really low volumes. Yeah. But um, man, Matt, the, the cracks, like it, it sounded crackly out there. Yeah. Um, not from an audio perspective, but <laughs> Chris, from <bottom> air. <laughs> the, it could be the leaves. I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it could be the leaves. Um, but you know, we keep underwriting deals, Matt, and, and they don't yeah. look good. I'll be, I'll be, I will, I will be honest. We're, we are seeing deals cap rates on deals be higher on some, not all some, um, but you know some of the returns that we're looking at again because you, like you said 24 is kind of a lost year and it's hard to make up for that um hard to get excited that's why there's so much movement towards preferred equity because mm -hmm. the common equity returns just aren't very exciting yeah that's another thing that i've been reading so much about is like well yeah just go to preferred just go to preferred equity you have a little bit less risk and uh and and do it that way or just buy and, and no one's ever talking about well there is a big alternative just Get a treasury itself. If you're, you know, if you want that, if you want that risk-free rate, then yeah, why are you? exactly, yeah, exactly. And so, what it is going to lead to is, is the volume of deals finally increases. Like the deals start coming on the market. There's going to be only so much capital out there that will accept, you know, the kind of the current pricing and returns. You know, fewer and fewer of it. And it, it'll it'll get to a point where um, pricing will have to start coming down because deals will have to be sold, and someone will be desperate enough. And, and also, it's the banks are going to probably have to start have to start taking haircuts as well, because you know these deals, you know, they're not going to be able to be, you know, like if they have current debt, I mean, the banks are going to be taking losses a, as well, mm -hmm. um, because like if you're going to yeah, go in and restructure it, you can't like restructure that that um, that debt away and, and necessarily be made whole. With the current valuations it just doesn't work so you know everyone's gonna have to take a little bit of a haircut um to make a lot of this work um and, and it's not gonna be i mean this is it's not gonna be a quick process i mean we're, we're like 
Well, um, and we're beginning to, and and I think the ultimate, you know, decision that they made is, well, it's probably better to sell now than to sell in, you know, in and three been, months. You, even you've been January. saying you've been saying that a lot, and yeah, I've been, yeah. I've been like, I don't know, I don't, maybe I don't think it's been a good time to sell, like at all but now it's like you know matt matt was right like it would have been a bet it's been much better to sell you know three months ago six months ago we were saying a year ago yeah yeah i mean i remember telling to other people the price isn't going up negotiating but it's it almost seems like and i don't know how much further there it is to drop i'd love to know what your opinion is you know i've heard people saying oh it's got halfway more to go um but uh you know i don't think it's done it's certainly not finished um and even like a 30 percent more that's a pretty significant uh it's pretty significant reduction and and, and the issue then is, will this will this create a counter reaction where so many go in to sell? But um, I really don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I think people are going to rush to sell. The real emotion is is to avoid that um, at all costs. But man, you know, uh, October turns into into November. You know, the October due date for some of these loans. Maybe that did coincide with uh, with some of these announcements of sales, and maybe we'll see some things. Um, kind of bubbling up because uh, it was when we have done we went when we did our loan maturity report we saw October and November as these big as this big inflection point and yeah. and my my question you know and and it seemed to be it still is valid is that like you know, they're going to wait until the end and now maybe they got it in the mail today you know it's November first they're like all right now you are delinquent. And I'd love to know what the delinquency rate is because that's pretty that's pretty accurately tracked. And and I'll I'll have to but jump I don't, back I and don't see. Th- I don't think the issue is necessarily delinquency. I mean, like yeah. the delinquency has gone up a little bit. People are are paying. It's more of just like your the their the, the loans coming due. And mm-hmm. but most borrowers are. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most most borrowers are just getting you know extensions. Okay, okay. Um, you know, again, delinquency has gone up, but most owners. You know, a lot of the deals, not all the deals are cash flowing. Some of the deals are barely cash flowing, mm-hmm. barely, or owners are coming up with their own money, um, you know, to feed the deals okay. or, or they're using CapEx dollars, you know, to cover debt service, which all that can only go on for so long. Mm-hmm. The the banks don't want to deal with it also. You know, yeah. again, it's a relationship business. If so far, I think everyone who's been in, acting in good faith, if they want an extension, there's you know, some sort of modification, you know, they're, they're getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it's not going to be able to go on forever. But also like you've said, and we've both said many times, Matt, it, it, no one's going to, you know, cry uncle until they absolutely have to, and are yeah. really told, sat down and told that, that, that it, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, people are not going to go down without a fight. They're not just going to give their assets up when they think that there's options out there. And, you know, there's been people waiting for interest rates to come down. You know, that hasn't happened. There's really yeah. so, there's no sign that that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, but, you know, there's still a hope and a prayer and, and, and the, we shall see. Even uh, Jerome Powell today said at uh, his press conference that, I mean, yeah, I mean, interest rate you know the treasury rates are up you know recently but you know they could come down and then there's there's volatility in those rates and they can go up and they, and they can go down that's mm-hmm. not necessarily saying that they'll be up there forever um you know we're still expecting the cpi to you know ease down with you know shelter inflation you know finally starting to like subside it's not as much as we, as we thought it would it, it should yep. be coming down you know more and more 
Um, you know, the Federal Reserve isn't raising their interest, the, the Fed funds rate. You know, that's good. They didn't really give a strong indication that they would at the next meeting, only that they're going to be very data dependent and see what's, what's going to happen. Like they always say the dot plot has another rate uh, rate hike yeah. you know, plugged in there. Um, but I think, you know, they're, and again, and we're moving on a little bit to um, the, the, the Fed, the, the Fed press conference Let's and talk about it. the rate, the, the um, announcement to, keep the fed funds rate between five and a quarter and five and a half percent unchanged mm. i i took some notes of which i'm not going to share because you probably wouldn't be able to a long list of things it, it's a it's a lot of um no new news really really matt mm-hmm. um you know other than what again things that we all know uh that treasury rates are up the fed funds rate is where it is gdp came in way surprisingly hot yeah, unemployment is low, um, but you know there are some si- good signs on the supply side. Um, as much as everybody, um, it seems like in the media, certain channels get really upset about immigration. Immigration's like a, an inflation killer, mm-hmm. and we need the labor, and so that's a very positive thing for the economy. Um, that's just that's just like the economic truth right there. Um, also the you know, labor participation, you know, ha- rate has increased and there are more people like in the labor force, or at least they're attempting to be the quality of those jobs and all that, you know, is, is questionable. It's a lot of like, service jobs and things like that, but which is all good, um, you know, to an extent, um, but you know, PCE prices, they you know, they've, they're running a 3.4% core PCE has risen to 3.7%. Yeah. Nominal wage growth is easing. So, cool. you know, that the PCE is interesting. And even the CPI, you know, for at least this month, both of them were like the same. It was yeah. stable. Um, and, and I know it's, I know that's better than going up a lot, but it's certainly, uh, you know, it's certainly not the, not any progress. And yeah. uh, this, I don't know if this, this plays into higher law lo- or, or for longer or whatever, but it's hard to see it, it from, and this is just like, even from the notes that you're saying, it's like, it, it's such a mixed bag that he's saying it's, well, it's good, but not good enough. We're doing things, but maybe we're not doing things. One thing could happen, but maybe the other thing could happen too. Yeah, um, the, yeah. The, it's the, they should have like titled the meeting. Uh, um, really not. It's a mixed bag of we don't, we have no idea what's going on. Or yeah, yeah. let me let me try let me try that again. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a mixed bag. Can't make any sense of it. We'll wait for more data. I mean, yeah. I mean, I ended some a paraphrasing, but basically, inflation is coming down, but it's below target. Labor market's rebalancing, but it's still strong. GDP, it's strong, but we forecast that it'll slow. We want to get inflation down two percent, but not confident that we're that that we're there. And then yeah. he also said, he's like, we're not confident that we have gotten there, but we're not confident we haven't gotten there. This is a known unknown. Is, is, is this a known unknown? <laughs> it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of. This those. is a whole new category of 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 knowledge and data where yeah. you're not confident that you have done something, but you're also not confident that you haven't. Oh man, this is this no, is no, look, so some of the, some of the questions and the answers to the questions again. He was he's like he's like it should have, but we're not really sure. We don't really know. We're not. Yeah. No. What effect it's had? 
but the one thing, uh, the the one thing of note related to housing that I also wrote down is, you know, he said these near eight percent mortgage rates could really um, continue to upset the housing market. Yeah, and yeah. we should, and again, the long variable lags, these things, you know, trickling in, mm-hmm. you know, these eight percent mortgage rates that does have um, an effect. And the longer these higher rates are in the market, the more of an effect that they're going to have. What we're talking about these multi-family loan maturities, that that's part of it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. th- that's, that is gonna, you know, hit the economy in, in, in multiple ways, um, a- as it, as it resets and yeah. that part of the, that's just one example of one part of the economy that is still, it is in a process of recalibrating and resetting. And yeah, the unfortunate truth, you know, when you need relative stability in any market to, you know, make, to be confident in your decisions, willing to take some risk, um, we just don't, we just don't have that, um, stability in, in confidence and we're just not going to get there anytime soon. Yeah. Um, like we, the market has gone through periods of kind of resetting itself before. Um, and as we're obviously going through that, but it's, it's not done and it's a, it, it's a frustrating period where, yeah. um, you know, no one really sure is sure how it will um, turn out in the end. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, just just thinking about how much more new home sales there are than existing home sales, and how much it, it is a little bit of of uh, of a very similar picture to like multifamily newly constructed versus you know existing multifamily properties. There's such an incentive to hold on to things. It may be a an incentive born of different motivations, but like you want to keep your good loan and, and the multifamily people don't want to, don't want to finally kind of realize their bad one maybe. And, uh, and it, the end result is the only thing getting out that's getting these categories of housing out of the, uh, housing shortage that they're in, whether it's apartments or, or single family is new home construction. Yeah. And once that comes in, and, and this is referring, this is what referencing ahead to another uh, to another LinkedIn post that that I want included here. Yeah, um, let's bring but, the John Burns piece, right? Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So if you you know if we're right now like we are at a good place, and and he's it was a little bit of a scare tactic saying uh, saying if not for the lack of resale homes, we would likely be talking about a new home supply glut. And what really is making people feel like there's such a scarcity of homes is no one's selling their existing homes and for good yeah. reason because of interest rates. But man, have we had so much new home construction. And if you account for that, it bumps it up. We're still we're at we're at a really great level of uh, of new homes completed. But um, I you know, I think that m- my take on this was that, yeah, we still we do need to I don't think it means a glut. It just means we're going to be backfilling for that shortage. Uh, that we experienced during the housing crisis, and and there there's still work to do there. So I don't think that we it, it may be in not a glut, but like an overproduction. I don't know. Elevated production is a little bit more more precise of wording because the need yeah. is there for for these housing. They're getting filled up, and man, they're getting filled up. People are. I, I was I was thinking about this. You know, you're buying a new home, whether it's new constructed or existing. You're getting that new home at a brand spanking new eight percent mortgage rate. Um, I know the all cash purchases have gone up. Obviously, they should in this rate environment. But like a lot of these people are paying the eight percent rate and they're paying these still elevated home prices. Um, I'm 
I am almost positive that the case Schiller hasn't tanked uh, as much as the 10-year Treasury has come up. And, you know, just yesterday it says U.S. home prices set record with seven-month streak of gains. This is in the same period where, uh, you know, U.S. 10-year Treasuries, the industry benchmark was rising or at least like plateauing at a very high rate. So weird, weird. Single-family buyers need homes, though, so that's not weird. Um, the elevated price, though, is is – it just is an example of the extreme amount of uh, of homes that are needed and the extreme amount of housing demand that there is. That will, I think, we're down to the benefit of, of multifamily, but it's super interesting. We I talked about this last week. Super interesting how rents for multifamily have not had, you know, are not sitting high, you know, sitting at such a high level in the same way that uh, that home purchase prices are. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, and and like the triggers, I mean, there's still rental, even for rental housing, uh, or for like single family rentals, it those aren't like going up by leaps and bounds. It is this. There's a clear bifurcation between rental and buying, and I would maybe I'll argue a little bit that it's because rental housing is a little bit more faster transactions maybe and you could find what the market is you know there's a more price discovery because uh there's more more things that are happening at a rap more rapid pace than uh and then you've got to drag people to buy or, or to sell or, or you know that's that's not happening well, why would someone sell you know when they've got a sub three percent yeah yeah you know, no reason fixed mortgage i mean you yeah. really i mean i've heard i've, I've seen some people on, on the internet I've, I've i've read some things that people who people still will move people who mm -hmm. have the money i mean people who have the money to buy a large house and afford if you can afford the interest rate because at the end of the day and this is the difference matt like you were alluding to um difference between kind of rental properties investment properties and a you know end user you know a family or individual buying a home is you know it's either One's driven primarily, both are driven by emotion, but one is, you know, primarily emotionally driven and the one is, you know, financially driven. Yeah. Again, there's financial motivations in both, but I mean, the individual or the family, they want that house because like, that's where their family needs to be. That's where they want to be. Mm -hmm. An investor is trying to do it to get the highest return on, you know, their, their capital. Yeah. And, and so they're just looking at it. Um, you're looking at a different way, but there are people who are selling their homes, giving up their three, their 2.75 mortgage and locking in a seven and a half percent rate or, you know, buying some points down and, and, you know, doubling or tripling their monthly payment. But they're like, well, I can still afford, well, they're like, I, I was saving money with the cheaper payment, but I still can afford the higher payment and this, mm -hmm. is, what, well, this is what I want for my family. Yep. So, you know, screw it. It just, it is what it is and it's yeah. expensive, but I'm just going to do it. And those and attitudes, yeah, that and that's where we get into the fuzzy feeling of like their attitudes towards whether they can swing that. It, it leads over a little bit to the attitudes of of multifamily. But I've been surprised. It seems like there are, you know, there that the, those attitudes are seem to be working in reverse a little bit to in when it comes to holding on properties and and, and that's true for single family maybe and a little bit of the multifamily world and and you know still thinking like oh, if i if i can get that projected growth and you know things are going to come back the rate's going to go down what's you know why why sell now um there's you know there's always that that feeling that that maybe motivates the rationalization and um if you've got the know. if you if you've got the runway, I mean, I it makes sense if you're like, look, I'm financed the right way. I, I mm -hmm. you know, I can hold on for another five years. Why do it? Yeah.
why not? I, 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 I could get, I could, I could understand either, either um, suggestion. And, and one more thing about this, uh, about this graph from John Burns is I thought that it was interesting to think about, um, to think about the eventuality really of maybe there being an oversupply of homes. You know, I don't think that it's going to happen anytime soon. I, uh, again, like we were, we will have multiple years uh, of, of above 300,000 uh, new homes built. And this is just single family. We will have to have multiple years of that, uh, which we don't, we, which we have, have not had yet uh, before the deficit that we experienced from like 2010 to 20. 19 uh mm -hmm. is is kind of filled in and i'm using 300 as the as the average here it seems like a clear average before the great housing crisis which then peaks and then and then it, it slumps for yeah those those 10 years from like 2010 to 2019 or whatever um but again uh we've got some we've got some room to fill but so even with all those caveats there it is worth thinking that you know eventually things will get uh things the housing affordability crisis will if you know if a lot of plans go correctly not be so uh so keenly felt and then there will be more homes maybe and maybe housing will be cheaper and i think it's worth thinking about that and timing it in with you know whatever how whatever you think maybe apartment rent growth is, is going to be or wherever you think uh housing prices are going to be if you're if you're buying a home but like maybe 10 15 years down the line, things may be in a different spot when it comes to the, you know, the extreme, the housing affordability crisis may not be a crisis anymore. Um, and so strategy. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, we, we just, I mean, the next year or so, I mean, I, I still think that I, I don't necessarily know how it's going to happen. I, I, I'm suspicious, but I mean, again, we can still easily see a recession. Yeah. Um, within the next, you know, year or so, I, I think mm -hmm. you know, we've got all these lag effects. So it, it's still, it, it's definitely floating, floating out there. Um, there's no real signs of that, of it happening anytime soon. But again, you know, we're hearing these cracks form. And if that happens, yeah. you know, they, they were in a completely different environment. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it could be within a couple of months, you know, a few things happen and all of a sudden if, if the fed drops the fed funds rates, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it could be, it, it could be a complete game changer. And that is true that like uh, apartment builders and home builders, they're responding to incentives too, uh, particularly apartment builders, which is interesting. It's kind of different than, you know, new home builders, maybe you can ask and then, and then they'll build it. And, you know, it's kind of maybe, you know, by request or whatever, but I, yeah. I don't know, if, but like an apartment build. And now I'm sure there are, there's other models and like on spec or whatever. Um, but like you, they can respond directly to the demand of, of a consumer when it's a single family home. And, uh, it, but then an apartment builder, maybe they build it. Um, and, and they're worried about the interest rate because they've got to sell it really, really quickly. And the, so whereas, Single family home construction has remained fairly elevated. Multifamily home construction started to pull back. And so regardless of my uh, my word salad there in the last 20 seconds, the bare facts of it means that they're they are uh, being motivated by different uh, by different drivers. And and I think that multifamily, it's it's clear how much the the rise in interest rates mattering to these multifamily developers. And it means ultimately you know we're talking about things that may happen 10 years out or five years out that these builders are responding to stimuli and it's just not just going to be constant so uh one of the things though i think is yeah rates are high that means in a couple of years we're not going to have that huge uh the huge apartment supply glut at the, at the very least true but 
you know, who knows? Maybe they'll start building next year. <laughs> who knows? Who know? it, it's it, don't don't even I don't even want to, you know, yeah, predict because because we we just don't know. Yeah, Matt, I'm gonna just we're just looping back around. Um, oh. looping back around. We, we we probably should have talked about this earlier, you know, relative to um <clears throat> discussion up front about um uh interest rates and all that, but you know, better late than never. Jay Parsons had a LinkedIn piece. We're talking about. 10-year treasury yield, talking about interest rates, their relations to cap rates. And, you know, this post came on basically, you know, really kind of um, taking a look at, you know, know, what's the relationship between cap rates and interest rates? It's a hot topic. It always generates passionate viewpoints on both sides. Um, And and basically, long story short, Jay's in the the camp of the great Peter Lineman, who has argued that cap rates are not directly correlated with interest rates, but rather with capital flows. And I think that, I think it's, you know, it's almost like, um, I think both things can be true. I think that absolutely capital flows probably have a more important role, but the rates and demanded return, you know, of those capital flows are also, you know, critically important. Um, because I, I think that, you know, the point that Matt, that we were trying to make, um, when we, uh, you know, we made a video just this last, this, this week graph in the background is the very same graph (laughs) that that you were using. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we were basically pointing out that, you know, the previous, like the smallest spread between the 10 year treasury and current cap rates or in cap rates um, was basically like 150 basis points. And, you know, it's been as wide as 400 some basis points. And we're not saying that, you know, one is driving the other, you know, certainly not cap rates driving the 10 year um, and not really even the 10 years driving um, cap rates. You can watch this video on, our, on the great capital YouTube channel. Um, but more saying that when, the the you know the volatility of the rates kind of moves and when the the ten year the volatility is so great mm-hmm. and when the rating yeah. when the ten year moves from half a percent to five percent within like a year and a half that does have an impact on cap rates and demand for multifamily properties and the market sentiment for um you know acquiring and investing in multifamily assets. Yeah. We had a comment on the video saying it's like, well, cap rates aren't a return metric, which is absolutely true. You know, we never said that they were a, a return metric. They they can't they are a metric that is a you know function of you know income based you know valuation, um, mm-hmm. which is you know somewhat you know relative. It's not irrelevant to return. Um, and we're just looking at Again, what are the extremes? And when things are so out of whack, everything is is related to some degree. And mm-hmm. again, things can change over time. Their natural their relationships can change. But when we get to so, ex, so such extremes, we have to make um I think it's important to make note of the that fact. Because the tenure treasury, yeah. one, relative to capital flows. It, it's the price of that capital flow of, of for debt. So much of multifamily mm-hmm. finance through you know fixed rate 
you know, long-term debt that's indexed to the 10-year treasury. So it's directly related, that cost of capital, the capital flows are related to that cost of capital. Yeah. I, I certainly would believe so. Yeah. And also, you know, the 10-year treasury relates to, you know, risk in the market and what the risk-free rate is and alternative investor investments and returns up for uh, real estate investors. Um, so, you know, that was the kind of the point that we were making in that video of saying, like, look, these, these things are out of whack. Mm -hmm. that, and, and then I think what rubs people the wrong way is we said, look, if we just took the average relationship, the spread of 10-year treasury and cap rates, that means that cap rates should be somewhere between, you know, six is like basically six and nine percent. Yeah. Now, and then we also like, I don't think cap rates are going up to nine percent. But they're not five percent. They probably shouldn't be five percent either. You know, yeah. and maybe and again, and, and someone made a really good point. It's like cap rates are all they're such location and asset driven. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, yeah. we're, we are speaking in in broad generalities, which are are not accurate in talking about specifics. But in general terms, we're we're talking about the direction of most of markets in general. Not all, the markets don't move in lockstep. I mean, Indianapolis, we're seeing rent growth. The rest of the nation is seeing rent declines. Um, but you know, generally, you know, the U.S. market sort of moves, you know, loosely in um, in a similar direction mm -hmm. you know, with some outliers here or there. Well, and mm -hmm. and you know, I, and this is something that you've. I forget if you mentioned it on the on the show or shortly beforehand, but it is one of the many, you know, the many factors that are that determine, you know, a a, a assets returns um, or or whether or, or, you know, how, how an asset is going to perform. It's not a guarantee. Some people may think that it's going to grow. Um, and there's there's a lot of things that go into cap rates. But if but my my whole thing is, is that there it's it's a lagging and it, it is is maybe it lags a little bit behind the the 10 year unless there's like really sharp movements then then uh you're not going to see it's not going to react as as quickly as just because uh, apartment transactions happen so slowly and my my other point was um that he says that they're not his argument is he's he's kind of presenting a counter the idea that they're directly correlated fine they're not directly correlated but they are correlated. Um, there is a connection, and and the reason why I'm I'm, I'm even saying this and and trying to kind of like argue my point here is because I know that it is a factor in in people's you know in in people's analysis of a property. There's no way to say that it's not. I, I'm talking about ten year rates. I'm sorry. Uh, th and and um, I liked this comment that that was citing um, Joe Pagliari is that, you know the technical answer is that cap rates are a function of the cost of debt, the cost of equity, and projected growth. So um, number one, cost of debt gone up. That means cap rates. That mean there's one category in the you know <laughs> the going up section. The cost of equity, I would say, has gone up. It's been um, maybe you know even if that has been maybe even if it's the same. Then number three, projected growth, at least for 2004, we're not we're not going to get there. And um, and again, like there is there is a force driving it down. Um, it should be driven down. I think a lot a lot more than. 
um, than is than is being described here because otherwise then people are counting on a whole lot of growth, a lot more growth than there has been um, to compensate for the wild upswing in the 10-year treasury. Otherwise, like I don't know how, how it makes sense. Like are, they're really projecting like that much growth. Uh, yeah, I, I also I think we're he's quibbling with um, you know sensitive versus you know correlation. And he's basically he says you know Jay Parsons says that um, to the point we're just making you know so we know the capital flows have obviously been impacted by higher interest rates. The sheer size and speed of the rate hikes ensured that nearly every type of investment, including outside of real estate, will be impacted to a varying degree. So, therefore, you could argue that cap rates are sensitive to large swings in interest rates, but correlated is a much stronger in an a and inaccurate description. Um, you know, so I, I, I guess you know, may, maybe Matt, we're using just the inc incorrect term for you know, correlate, yeah. you know, correlated, uh, or, or we're using it improperly. Um, I think we usually talk about the relationship between cap rates and interest rate interest rates, not necessarily that fact that they're you know, correlated. Yeah. And, um, that, yeah. and that's another thing too. And ju just before it's like, there's a clear cause and effect. You can see all these swings and, and like an assign a reason and a motivation why they would drive investors to do one thing or to price their assets lower or higher. And it's frustrating to see it overgeneralized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to bring up, I have, yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's like, the, here's the competing um, chart. And if you want to explain, you, you did a great job in the video and I don't, I don't want you to retread any, um, any, you know, check in the show notes to the, for the link to that, to the really great video that he did. Um, but I, I'd love for you to yeah explain some of the history and some of these specific drivers mm -hmm. like that, that made the spread maybe narrow or, or larger in certain circumstances. I mean, a, a lot, a long story short, Long, long story short, Matt, is, yeah. you know, when you're looking at, you know, buying a stabilized asset, you know, the, the larger spread between, you know, the interest rate on your debt and the income of that property is, gen is generating, you know, that's already, it's already generating is going to, um, you know, typically um, allow you to produce, you know, higher yields, you know, early on your investment, not taking into account your business plan of where you will create further growth. So it doesn't mean that you can't buy a lower spread or negative leverage of all of that or all that, you know, find growth and create um, some positive, you know, yield on cost. Um, but, you know, cap rates are, are, are real sentiment, uh, are real, you know, market indicators and, you know, really a function of, you know, market sentiment and kind of the value that the market is, you know, placing on the you know, kind of the value of current cash flows that um, you know commercial real estate is is producing. And so, you know, we look at this spread. Just a couple things, and and again, you're not saying that uh, anything's absolutely you know correlated. Not to get on the wrong side of Jay Parsons, but just a couple of observations. You know, when these spreads do get narrow, tend to be less than opportune times to acquire real, um, real estate assets and multifamily. And when mm -hmm. the spreads get wider, um, you tend to have the opportunity to produce higher returns. Again, we said cap rates aren't a return metric. They're not. Um, but, you know, I think there is a relationship. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and just as a quick example, you know, the last time spreads got super narrow, we're back in 2006, right before the great financial crisis. Not always the best. That uh, it's probably not the best time that you could have bought apartments. 
or real estate because they went through mm -hmm. a you know a little bit of a correction in 2007 2008 and you know started to recover you know 2010 or so now that spread spread really widened you know starting in 2011 2012 so been a great time to buy apartments you saw a lot of rent growth um in the next couple of years um and in general you know that nice that that next bull run in the apartment market kind of 2010 through you know call it 2021 you know, saw those really nice spreads mm -hmm. and then in 2022 you, as interest rates have risen um, you know, cap rates, you know, so we're slowly, you know, moderately declining. And that's the and that's the big difference here is, you know, we see everything is pretty slow and steady. But in 2022, interest rates really started rising. You know, that 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 really changed. And, you know, that spread became narrower. And again, you know, we could talk about how, you know, Jay Parsons saying you're going to be on the sidelines for a long time. And I think that's a that's a good a good point to be made, but the reality is, you know, when as a buyer, if you're underwriting these deals and the equity's not interested in the mm -hmm. common equity because the returns aren't high enough and the yep. and your IRRs are, you know, high single digits, low double digits, there's not a large market for that, and yep. and so it's just the reality of the prices have to come down and cap rates have to go up, um, mm -hmm. and and so I'm really trying to simplify it. But it's because the ten-year Treasury is the base financing rate of mm -hmm. how we're financing these assets, and these high interest rates is what is making these acquisitions close to impossible. Not fully impossible. People are still doing deals, mm -hmm. but it's very challenging. And a couple things have to happen: either interest rates come down, the prices come down. Or uh, rent growth, where we get yeah. a, a ton or, of growth. Yeah. And we're not going to most likely get a lot of growth next year. And so mm -hmm. we kind of, th if, if the growing out of it isn't as big of an option, prices have to come down or interest rates have to come down. One of those, th yeah. one of those two things have to happen. And eventually, probably both of them will, you know, probably not at the same time. Mm -hmm. It'll create an incredible buying opportunity again in these spreads will widen again yeah. um so it's worth is, is, is it the, i guess so you know mm -hmm. i think people could say and people that have, have have said you know that there's better there, there are better rates to look at than the 10-year treasury you know people you know, we talked about the triple b um corporate mm -hmm. bonds people have suggested uh tips all really good stuff i think it's going to show pretty similar a pretty yep. similar relation uh, and i I think yeah. our and I think our only point, mm -hmm. and, and I think we made an extreme point to make a point, Matt. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, I didn't I don't even think it was extreme. I just think we were looking at the like the math. Yeah. And the point is, it looks like cap rates are going to continue to rise a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th like I think I think that I think that that's it. And and it's I'm hard wrong. to argue. No, and yeah, well, I don't think we are. And you talk about extreme. I think our evidence is extreme because we are at the extreme most narrow. I mean, I don't want cap rates to go to nine percent. Yeah, or eight percent. And, and we don't. And and you know, even in that video, you didn't say there was because there is a great deal more in investor interest. I think the, the, in um, in multifamily than maybe there was in the past. Um, but yeah. the, the fact is. We that the spread has never been as narrow as it has been today. And and if the spread was that narrow, you would think that the consensus is that the apartment has nowhere 
but growth ahead for, you know, um, it may have growth ahead, but um, as we'll see, maybe, you know, if you, if you read these, the current rent reports now, there is some, some rent declines that we have seen currently, and they are projected to have a, a, a more stagnant, uh, a more subdued amount of rent growth in 2024. So it's uh, it's yeah. harder to picture in that growth in 2020. It's not impossible, but like um, we kind of said, and I alluded to this um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe when we talked about the low amount of apartment sales that that was yeah. uh, that we had in, in 2023. It's possible that that 33 percent of former sales, or, or however you know the fraction was, it, maybe in those sales they projected growth that, that could exceed it but you know the 70 percent that's missing that's not yeah. that's not the case exactly so if you average it out Ex then exactly yeah a lot of cherry picking the data yeah. matt um this seems like it might be a good little uh transition to this piece from um, pro market um yeah evaluating so the concerns of collapsing commercial real estate prices like kind of sort of what we're saying um yeah this is I, like, I, don't, I don't know why we, we and then we weren't like attacked for the video or saying it but it is interesting matt and again mm -hmm. and i don't know i i don't i i think jay parsons watches um see some of our stuff I, I don't know if he's a viewer of the gray report or 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 not or, or i'm assuming maybe he's not but um carl whitaker has been on the show um works with jay parsons and um anyway yeah. but you know the, the couple pieces that we put out on the, the cap rate interest rate spread before we get into the piece from pro market it invoked a lot of emotion and it just got yeah. a lot of response from people and that wasn't necessarily i, I almost feel like people thought that we were we're almost like, like kind of clickbaiting with the the with like with the data there mm -hmm. of the position it was you know so extreme and it really was ruffling um a lot of people's feathers and then yep. it got me down you know, this other conversation of, you know, it, it seems like the whole industry is is going through like the stages of grief. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and there's this, um, you know, that, you know, are we in the, the, the denial phase still? Or are we in the Collective depression? Denial. Are we are we in the depression phase yet? You know, you know are, mm. I, I don't know if are, are we to acceptance? I, 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 I don't think uh, there's a lot I, of bargaining. We're, we're not, we're not at acceptance. <laughs> we're I, bargaining I right now, I think. So, it's like, so, so well, denial. He, so denial. Yeah. 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 I, I, isn't bar, isn't bar, bargaining maybe in one of them, but like, oh, we're like, know. yeah, but maybe in this situation and here and here and here and here and here that denial. then things will be okay. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, that is, uh, you're, you're trying to paint things, <laughs> paint things in a, in a, in a rosy light. And, um, you know, to circle back to what we talked about at the beginning of, of the year, at least some of these REITs, if if uh, IRT is just an example of one of them, are having, you know, they don't, you know, they don't, they're not going to have to worry about that now. Um, well, they'll, they'll have to worry, but like th what they're doing is reducing risk um, in, 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 or the, the things that may not perform badly or that things, you know, selling now versus selling later. And, um, and, and it may be a, a pretty smart move, but might be, might be. Yeah. So Matt, what's up with this piece, evaluating the concerns of collapsing commercial real estate prices yeah. by Joseph, um, uh, Pagliari. Yeah. So he was the one deal. that was, 
he was the one that was cited, and I wanted to chase down something that he that he had written just to kind of to back up the those little three tenants. And and there were multiple commenters in the, that Jay Parsons uh, that Jay Parsons post, so uh, it was worth finding. And and the fact that this was so uh, that the topic was both timely and relevant is is perfect. Um, he's you know he's really digging into the mechanics. In in a certain way, it's a little bit academic when he talks about uh, the moving pieces of uh and, and of inflation and uh and tenure treasuries and the benchmarks that are different that are used but um he but like his conclusions are large largely seem to align with maybe i'm reading things wrong and maybe you know uh maybe i'm only getting a surface level which is probably true uh a surface level understanding but but really aligning with i think what we've talked about you know he says at the end at present the market seems to be willing to accept lower ex-ante real returns, forecasts higher cash flow growth rates, and or believes, or at least hopes, that tips rates will settle lower. Tips is this other benchmark um, that uh, that is used to determine, you know, the to determine for cap rate spreads and then it's he says perhaps some or and so what he's already what he, he says at present the market thinks it's going to grow or thinks that things are going to be okay or at least better than you know it may be perhaps some or all of these factors will be realized but on the other hand the slow moving nature of private markets upon the advent and during a market downturn may have yet to reveal the true magnitude of commercial real estate's repricing so you know slow moving they, there's a lot of hope hope for growth that may not be there and and he, then he said in any event current conditions give rise to concerns about about a soft landing or hard landing and it would seem that like uh, absent some motivating circumstance either global military conflicts collapsing banking financial system avalanche of maturing maturing mortgage loans Good thing that's going on right now yeah yeah uh, it would seem the most property owners be content to bide their time um than uh and this is interesting though and so he uses big words that, that scare me a little but i think they're worth reading <laughs> he says these the biding of the time here which he he says the optionality of their levered equity position is best served by waiting so the math may work for some people to wait if that if i'm making sense of that correctly um and then he's you know if accurate the, re, the repricing of real estate is likely to play out more slowly, arguing for a soft landing. Um, I think that it will, you know, the repricing, yes, is has to be uh, more slowly just because we don't have the rapid transactions that will allow for instant market recovery it, uh, absent some, you know, uh, implosion in the economy. Um, but I, I think he kind of ha has it on the money here. Um, it, it seems like a lot of people mind. are hoping for growth, growth, and there's not, no one's really, you know, snapping their fingers and snapping out of it uh but we'll we'll see you know there may be there may be people that look at these large REITs and say oh well i don't want to you know they have a good idea they're they're smart i want to get ahead of this too um but that's and this isn't to say that things are horrible <laughs> when it comes to market fundamentals it's just to say in the in this rate environment and in the near term the next maybe 18 months it's going to be a bumpy road no matter how you, no matter how you cut it Matt, do you think uh, we, we are too negative, or are we too? That's um, what I. That's why I try to circle back to the caveat because ultimately, if you do have, like, if if you're able to float that loan, then then after 20, 2024, then things are going to be 
pretty okay. Yeah. The supply is yeah. going to kind of uh, even out because now we're getting into the fact that people are building less now that is going to be, so that's, you know. That's the whole, yeah. you know, I've, I've, that's the whole survive till 25. That's yeah. what yeah. everyone's been saying. Just get through next year. It'll be good, which I think is a big, like, you don't want to just hope we just need to get through next year. Like, the, yeah. the, to me, like, that doesn't, I don't want to, I don't want to just sit around and hope for the next mm -hmm. year um, that in 25 things are going to be in a better spot. Yeah. Need to make some, take some concrete actions to like, know, make sure that we're in a good spot. Not like, yeah, can't control the economy, but you know, just, you know, <laughs> the economies of things that I can control, you know, mm -hmm. are around me, um, around us. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you can hold on, if you can use time, have time on your side, versus timing working against you. I mean, that's that's been a core just philosophy in stra uh, or, or part of our strategy is like, you know, if you can give ourselves time, mm -hmm. if we are long-term holders, you know, we're, you know, we have, you know, the down, the only downside is potential for slower velocity of money. So it's like you yeah. make the most money just cranking out deals, cranking out deals, but there's like higher risk in doing that rather be certain that we're going to be successful or you know, maximize the certainty, but giving ourselves the opportunity to yeah. take advantage of some higher velocity deals and um, still knocking it out of the park. We plan for 10 years ends ends up being five years or, or seven years. Um, but, you know, well, we, you know, we bought a bunch of real estate, Matt, in 2021, yeah. you know, 20, oh my, oh my, and in 2022, we bought a real estate in 2022. We're not worried about that real estate because it's all on long term, mostly fixed yeah. financing. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to do anything for the next couple of years. And, you know, we, we got a lot of growth and we're still seeing growth. Yeah. And is it something that we want to go and sell like now? Probably, it's not a probably a great time to sell. We, we probably could if we needed to, but mm -hmm. we, don't, we don't need to. Like, so, so we're on a, in a troubled spot. And then, you know, we've got debt that's locked in. I mean, You know, I mean, just just you know, calculate. Mm -hmm. You know the, you know, a couple hundred million dollars worth of debt that we have locked in sub three and a half percent. Yeah, for ten, you know, I've got quite a bit of it locked up for thirty four thirty four years. You know, yeah. some for ten years, but um, it's we're good. Yeah, and 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 that's true. Like I I don't mean to be disingenuous. This is very much like a near term. You know, we have a pretty good idea of do what's going to happen Matt, in the next but year. Do we owe? Do we owe? Do we do we owe the, the listeners? Do we owe the market um, to be a little more positive? Because again, I'm just I'm getting some I'm getting some buff uh, off of LinkedIn. <laughs> well, I don't, not, I, not not directed towards us. Well, maybe I'm double down. Like, is this time for double down? I'm not, I don't feel like I'm doubling down. I feel like no. The reason why we started talking in this way be, to real. begin with is because the market's being quite hopeful, and and I think that it is it is at least worth it. Whether 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 we're right or not, it's worth it to consider. Hey, uh, maybe uh, this growth that you were counting on may not happen. And I also want to say too is is like. Um, this is, it's not like things are going to come crashing down by any means, you know, next year when it comes to rent growth, there could be, there could be a healthy amount of rent growth. It wouldn't be that much of a surprise, but in combination with, with the, uh, with the interest rate environment, that's, what's making things difficult for people. And so, it, and so that's the real, that's a real determining factor. If it was just one, 
maybe yeah that's okay but but the combination of these two it's it's hard to see a way a way out of it for these people in this in this circumstance people just seem like they're kind of sick of bad like negative news like they're just yeah. seeing like stories of foreclosures they're seeing stories from us talking about how cap rates could be at nine percent you know or they're, they're seeing all these stories and excuse me they, they don't like it they they, they well, don't they don't like i, I could you know I, I, should we, should we just, can, we, can we just talk about positive stuff is that pos like we do um uh John, because uh, I will, uh, I will point people back and to like sell it to CBS like or whoever the, the previous years of me. I've I've tried to be rosy on the economy for uh for a long time throughout the throughout the pandemic. I was you were, you know, we, were po we were positive throughout the pandemic, right? I, yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, and but I also think now at this moment, I, it just it's. It seems to make sense that that things would that, that some part would crack or that uh, that businesses would would have less less money on hand because the cost of capital has gone up has gone up so much um, that it's hard to make sense of the continued GDP growth, the continued uh, employment growth. Um, I could be wrong. I, you know, I've been pessimistic for about a month, and I already feel uncomfortable with myself. But uh, I, you know, I'm willing to be persuaded that that we will see some light at the end of the tunnel, rather than continued uncertainty. Um, but it does seem like you know, a lot of the effects of these interest rates have to do with stuff that's it's not like the gas you're pour, you're, you're putting in your car every day. It's loans that come due that have terms that are two or three or four, you know, they're long, they're long, there's these long and variable lags that I'm trying to explain. And the triggers to these may not, it's, they're not, they would never have happened all at once. And so I'm, I'm I think that we're going to see some real big movements as the end of the quarter and the beginning of the next happen, where, where things start to realize where, oh, the due date has come in, whether it's loan maturities, whether like it is an earnings report or 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 you know name your you know name your benchmark um there it just it's hard to and overall whether we're talking about consumer sentiment they uh they would agree with us despite the fact that it's economy has been healthy and inflation has been you know under greater control like those are valid points that like the um the other shoe has not dropped for a whole long time. Maybe that maybe there's not another shoe at all. Um, no shoe. Maybe there's no shoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but on the other in, foot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I'm mixing my metaphors here, but but yeah. The the fact is is like things have have not gone wrong, but the average consumer doesn't feel that way, and um and it, you know that may result in some hard numbers. It may not. Um, but it's it's hard to kind of does the, that, does the consumer know what's going no, on? No, they never they never know. Oh, I, 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 now I, they agree I with theory, me. Now they know. I have a theory for the consumer, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a little sexist, though. I well, there's new theories that just came out that said social media is to blame. Um, that so do you uh, know you don't want to hear my. Theory. No, I do. I do. <laughs> I want to. I just wanted to social media is to blame. That, yeah, yeah, but you're you probably have a better, more spicy take. <laughs> You know, everyone is. I think it, it's it's not necessarily sexist, but there is a sexist element to it. But um, again, you know, there haven't been massive layoffs. People mm -hmm. have had a, a a decent amount yeah. of savings. There's been there's an overhang, but also people are just used to spending more money, and it's hard to slow down. I don't yeah. think people have wanted to say no. 
it's it's been harder um especially households it, it, it there's a it, it takes some real pain for people to say no i really have to reduce my spending and i really need yeah. to you know to reduce my lifestyle I, I i think that they you know we're also combining all this with all the pent up demand for you know, the traveling um and and so you know people didn't travel and and so it, it it's really just sexist against men um but it could be i, I don't yeah. even know why they would like that matt mostly just people keep listening but, like a professional class the classism i don't know let me just I'll, I'll, I'll just say it yeah so, yeah yeah like no one wants to disappoint their you know significant other your wife um you know like you plan these nice vacations you you mm-hmm. plan you've been spending money on certain things you don't want to you don't want to slow that down yeah you know you you, you still want to go take the nice vacation um, because you, you you didn't take any, you know, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so people are just, what else are you going to do? It, like, they're just still set on spending money and somehow it's still there. Um, yeah. They're finding the money to spend it. Um, you know, wages have increased slightly and no, no one wants to say no to their wife. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, they don't want, they don't want to say like, Hey, you know, things are tight, even though that they, they should. And I think most, most people are probably are now having those conversations, but no one's wanted to have that conversation. I don't want to go to my dog and say, you're getting the cheap dog food. Exactly. It is a pointer. It's it's uncomfortable for me. Yeah. So, so, so sometimes, so yeah, sometimes some of us, you know, don't want to disappoint our wives, Matt. You do. You do have a wife. I do have a wife, but also she's but very also understanding. <laughs> she's a lot more understanding than my dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, no. But I. Some, I agree. Yeah. Sometimes it is the dog. <laughs> there is. Do you know what I mean? Loop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, totally. I. I. I totally well, agree. There is. There is a spending momentum, and a little bit. I think of this. I, I would explain the pessimism with like. Well, there is an ultimate awareness that, you know, the party can't keep going for this long and and uh, and the numbers are, you know, you get used to and we have said this before, like your your interest or your inflation anchor is not always like last year. It could be, you know, you could still be remembering when things were a lot cheaper three years ago. And um, and so that's that's surely weighing on people. Um, But I wonder if, you know, I don't if this is this is the same thing where like the loans are coming due or maybe the credit cards coming due i think that credit uh the 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 credit's something to to really watch and to see if that starts rising and um you know it it, it sure it sure seems like it would um if spending is rising this much interest rates are rising so much um you know i'd like i'd bet that's you know the other the other I've piece heard of the some puzzle people say that the the rising credit card balances credit card balances have gone up a lot of that is from um, high-income individuals just sp- doing the bulk of the spending. Oh, interesting. Like they've got, and like they're still they're paying it off. Some, yeah. But well, like I- they're they're like just the higher-income folks are still spending. And again, that's where it's like they don't want to tell, you know, they don't want to tell the spouse that we're not going to, um, you know, Cabo or Italy or where wherever. The, the fancy you know the the fancy vacation was yeah planned for i mean the, these vacations matt they're 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 nuts none of this is personal experience but i'm just saying like other than the vacations can be really expensive yeah yeah i'm looking i'm just looking at the uh 
consumer Hotels. credit cards and credit cards and other revolving plans are uh they they are higher or a, a little elevated they're going down on a year-over-year -year basis or i'm sorry they're the rate of their growth is uh is going down but they're still increasing on a year-over-year -year basis by 10 percent you know it seems like the pre-pandemic mean was around um are these like balances or six. this is just this is Credit cards and other sure. consumer loans, credit cards and other revolving plans for all commercial bank uh, percent change from a year ago. Are you um, part CPI? No, or? no, no. This I I just pulled it up from the from the Fred website. Um, but it, it it's it's a little bit elevated. It's definitely not reducing like it was um, before. But um, I just it it just feels like things are not operating with the same amount of optimism. In the economy that they were in uh it, before before the rate hikes and that's it's hard it's just hard to get around that that fact like what will compensate for it okay okay that's fine you can say that there still can be growth well where are we going to find that growth you know what I, ai is not as smart as it needs to be to dig us out of this um but you know but, I, and that, that that's that's the great thing about real estate you know the the answer to your question matt is is we can't you can't go find growth yeah. Like you can go find growth it, it, and that's where we, we can get lost in talking yeah, about true. the mark, the real estate market. Mm -hmm. What real estate market are we talking about? We're talking about the global, you know, the, the continental United States. We're talking about, a, you know, a region. Are we talking about a state, a market, a sub market, a neighborhood, you know, uh, you know, one corner over the next, they're all, you know, hyper local markets that you can see an incredible amount of growth. There are markets that are going to see blockbuster growth next yeah. year. You know, Damn. are there deals to be had in those markets? Maybe there are, maybe there aren't, but that's the challenge. And that's where the opportunity is for real estate investors who kind of get out there and get after it is to uncover those deals. Yeah. And um, I'd like that sounds like a really good segue if if you would to to the apartment list rent report. Um, it does showcase some some apartments are doing better than others, and it's I, I just want to cover it really briefly just to give people an idea. Okay, you know we talked about things, you know how things are going. Well, this is uh, this is is this sponsored Matt, Matt? Is this sponsored by? Are we being are we sponsored by apartment list now? We I feel like uh, we feature them. So I can extend frequently. this. I can extend the sponsorship uh, <laughs> if they'd like it. I will. I'll get in contact with them. Um, but you know I don't want I don't want to miss an apartment. It does a great job of giving us a snapshot of. Oh. We, we give it to them for free. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, United States median rent 2017 to present. You know, there's always some fluctuations there yeah. here, Matt. But um, you know, a little bit more of a little, a uh, little more of a dip than um, we typically see. You know, yeah. End of last year again, typically bottoms out in January. I assume you know we're going to see similar trend um, mm -hmm. this year. It looks it looks a whole lot like it. They um, so year over year rent growth is negative one point two percent right now, and the and the month over month for October was negative point seven percent, which is over half of that year over year. Um, but this the the slide in October was very steep um, according to their records, which goes only goes goes back to twenty seventeen. But still, it was very steep. And they also mentioned the only thing steeper was last October when rents went down by 08 percent. So maybe we will have a repeat uh, in a in a slightly less uh, extreme way of the winter slide in um, in rent growth that we had in twenty twenty two and early twenty twenty three. I'm thinking that you know that makes a whole lot of sense as these as you kind of find 
find the mean and as as the supply issues kind of uh, kind of get factored into the market. Um, but not all markets, as you mentioned, not all markets are behaving in the same way. Um, it, we're talking about uh, averages here a lot. And we're talking, uh, you know, whether it's cap rates uh, or or rent growth, um, but it is important to to figure out, and that's how you find winners, is you figure out the places with with the highest rent growth, or like um, like we talked about, you know, we're, if you're looking for growth, well, look for job growth, population growth. I was going to um, say because sometimes rent growth um, it, it can be an indicator of continued future growth, but it all, it's mm -hmm. always lagging. Again, you know, we're looking yeah. at you know months through, you know. Sept, you know, through October, September and October, mm -hmm. that's already happened. Now, um, again, trend, the trend can be your friend and the trend can continue. But mm -hmm. there are some other indicators, Matt, that you just mentioned job growth um, and being, you know, a primary one that can be a more forward-looking indicator yep. than rent growth. But it's still, you got to know where the rents are moving because at the end of the day, that it's yeah. the deal. And so, so then, just to move on to uh, to the kind of regional performance, they have the slowest growing, uh, the slowest metro level rent growth in kind of top markets here. And I, I was particularly interested in the ones that that were performing the uh, worst or had the slowest rent growth over the past six months. Number one is Austin with negative four percent, and then Orlando and Portland uh, are soon follow with negative three percent. A bunch of markets have negative two percent, including Atlanta, Jacksonville, San Antonio, Nashville. Memphis, but number nine is Miami. First time yeah. I've seen them on one of these lists for low rent growth. Yeah, ever. that's really interesting. Miami's been in like the top of the list for rent growth. So yeah. that that's interesting how quickly that has um, turned around. Um, really, really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and so on the flip side too, because if you look on the fastest metro level rent growth over the past three years, Miami is the clear leader um, for fastest metro level rent growth. But over the past six months, it's a lot more colder climates uh, like Providence, um, Grand Rapids, New York, Milwaukee. Kansas City, places where it snows in the winter. <laughs> Hartford, Washington, uh, Washington, oh, Washington, D.C., yeah, it may not snow that much in the winter. And not not in Tucson, but definitely in Detroit. And then You know, um, it, it can snow in Tucson. All right, well, okay, Up good. Up in the mountains. All right. Mount Lemon. You, <laughs> you can get some snow in the peaks. So the only the only questionably never snowy area is uh, is New Orleans, which is at uh, which is doing fairly healthy with a 2% rent growth. Um, and uh, over the past 12 months, similar um, over over representation, I would say, of the Northeast and the Midwest, which is something that we noticed early kind of in 2023 and has continued throughout uh, throughout this new rents, you know, this kind of new rent growth environment post, you know, the rent growth peaks that we had two years ago. But again, over the past three years, the story has been uh, it's still Sunbelt is. is dominates miami tucson oh well there you go say say what you will that's some consistent growth uh yeah. in tampa orlando and in new york doing great um and san diego and then grand rapids is the only one in the top for three years of growth uh the only midwestern market all the others are some northeast and sunbelt ones Fascinating. Yeah, Matt, I, I'm, I'm pulling up the I'm just I'm just looking on on CoStar because I'm just curious mm -hmm. of whether some of their market rent, um, their tracker, if they're marking rents declining in Miami, mm -hmm. um, like apartment list is and um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm just going to 
switch my screens real quick. Mm-hmm. Well, um, um, Jeff, to fill in a little bit, uh, oh, you've got it already. Yeah, I thought I was going to have it quicker, though. Um, so, yeah, we've <laughs> definitely seen um, it, it, it slide in, not, not the, the big decline that, you know, they're really talking about, but certainly, you know, it's yeah. come in, looks like kind of, you know, peaked back here, you know, April. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where a lot of the markets did kind of seem to have peaked. And it's really been, um, the supply has really been seeping in kind of yeah. since April, it seems like across many markets. Um, so, so I don't see the declines yeah, necessarily. It's not, like it's not in the negative. I yeah. mean, again, this is just going out. And then just to use this, this was quite, this is quite the time, Matt. Matt remembers this period. Well, yeah. this period of, you know, 2021 was just oh, like man. crazy. And more so than the watching the rent growth was the occupancy um, climb for a while too. But, you know, man, this, you know, we really slowed down. Yeah. 2022, just after March. It's it's amazing. Um, you know, this is just a little bit after Jackson Hole's, you know, not Jackson Hole's speech. But, um, well, actually, yeah, I think this was right around that. But after the announcement, they were, really, you know, really increasing rates. Hmm. I mean, I mean, just, and I'm not saying that's, that's the only thing that's happened. But, I mean, we were going it is, that's a little a, north of 45 degree uh, angles here. And then it just. Just leveled off. And and just to kind of bring things back growth. to to what we were talking about, like even before before this, I, I keep thinking about risk. You know, bringing back and bringing it back to cap rates. Cap rates are maybe an expression of returns, but also maybe an expression of risk. Um, you know, your hope yeah. for growth is also they the are. risk of it not growing. And and I always think of risk. It's just a because I'm dramatic. I always think of risk as like a meteor or an earthquake or something even just dramatic where like, okay, the building that you bought, like a really weird business moved in next door. And now like, well, that's a risk that you took that, you know, so it was going to attract the wrong crowd. Maybe crime goes up or something, you know, dramatic. These are really, you know, just the slow moving environment that moves away from where you think it could be, whether it's rents moving and the 10-year treasury moving like that's a risk in and of itself and um just because it's not a, a forest fire doesn't mean that this is this is risk it's the risk that your returns are going could go down and and here it is playing out in from multiple directions for a lot of people for 2024 um i you know if uh, risk is looks a lot different if you have a longer horizon and i think that that's what people are banking their hopes on and a lot of people are keeping hold of things because they think they can make make it past there but Matt, yeah. I would love to read um, your dissertation on what is risk, um, because it would include uh, fi- forest fires, bears, someone <laughs> moving in next door, meteors, <laughs> meteor, meteors. Someone um, next door. <laughs> I was listening, and I was like, "What?" Are, I, 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 I follow what you were saying, but uh, there are there are times where I'm like, be dramatic and fun risks that are fun to think about, but really, it's like the banal, uh, you know, slower moving, less dramatic, sometimes less noticeable risks that creep up on you. Um, that ultimately, that could be just as expensive. You can have insurance maybe for for a forest fire, but for uh, you know, for some of these market slower moving market forces, it's harder harder to wriggle out of. It's true. It's the um, you know the boiling frogs. I mean, it's yeah. like the slow change, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves in an environment of where just this environment is is uh, is challenging to stay the least um, yeah. to make things happen. And again, um, 
I read this. Uh, I read this. It, there's it's a best of LinkedIn. So it's mm, all these LinkedIn mm-hmm. posts that they highlight. And one of them was, you know, these they they you the metaphor was if you if if a rat knows, so they would do these experiments and they're, you know, probably inhumane. Um, if the rat knows it's going to be rescued, they will swim longer mm-hmm. than if they know than if they don't know that they're going to be rescued. So if they put they do it every day and then they'll swim longer. Oh. How long are we going to swim? And are we going to get rescued? Is my is my big question, and um, it it cuts both ways. Like you gotta you gotta be hopeful for the future, but um, but you gotta be realistic about the real risks. Yeah, yeah I was trying trying to find like the other end of that analogy of like why you need the rats to like drown so you can. Oh make, no! Make the, the, the point of that one was the point of that one. Oh no! Oh, I understand what I understand. They do, yeah, they do um experiments on that for like for um for antidepressant drugs is uh is is one of the one of the reasons they actually do some of those they, they, they get they add rats like simulate drown, drowning on rats if they put them in a bucket and they, and then, they, and then, they, and they, they don't they kill give the them rats. Rats to see if they'll be like give them a little more yeah. positive outlook on life yeah yeah and yeah and it works i mean well that isn't that what's happening matt with the whole idea yeah. of extending and pretending and you know yeah yeah the can down the road and you know hey if we think rates will come down and hey we're all in this together i mean that, and that's i mean that that's the the fact that you know like many of the, the banks and the lenders and the borrowers are kind of in the same you know boat matt i, I don't know who said it first you said it multiple times you know if you but you owe the bank like a thousand dollars it's it's your problem but if you owe yeah. the bank like you know a hundred million dollars it's the bank's problem yeah like this is like it's a problem with the banks and we mentioned earlier it's like the banks are banks are going to end up having to take haircuts and all these loans mm-hmm. it's just like they're not there's not gonna be enough there into real restructure and do something to yeah. see get rid of it. They're just going to have to take a little bit of a haircut. And so they're all in the same boat and they want to give themselves time. And, you know, whether it's a bailout or things, they, they don't want it. They certainly don't want to be like one of the first ones to go mm-hmm. without the rescue plan because they know if, yeah. if it gets tough enough, if there's enough outcry that the federal government or the, and, or, you know, the federal reserve will step in, you know, some kind of action. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, either lowering rates or some easy monetary or fiscal policy, you know, some, some bailouts. Um, yeah. Which is also, it is interesting how much, you know, we've talked about the little players and how they could be so dramatically to, you know, the imperative could be on them to, to enter the market as sellers and start to rebalance the market. But, but we may be seeing the rational decisions of, of eliminating risk come from sellers that are institutional. Um, that have done the math and and realize in a little bit more clear way and have the capacity to do that. Um, so yeah, we'll see how things are unfolding. This is an exciting and interesting time, um, but it it is risky. Um, yeah. But we're you know risk and opportunity, and uh, hopefully we can find a, a, an equilibrium there. Yeah. Well, make sure you're uh, subscribed to the Great Capital YouTube channel. Um, appreciate everybody watching um, this episode. Listening, um, if you are listening via podcast. Matt, any uh, closing remarks? Any any thoughts? Any um, uh, if you're, uh, I you know I hold on stop. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was Halloween. <laughs>
Oh yeah, Halloween was great. Uh, I I did not dress up. I was trying. I was going for. I was going to do like a pointy bearded devil, but I could never get. I couldn't get my beard pointy enough in time. So, um, so that was that was a little bit disappointing. Well, uh, well, not long. It was it's not, not long enough. You gotta. Lo- you gotta not long enough to like through. curl and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you take a lot of time to have like a really strange long beard for uh, one I day. Used to, Although, I used to be able to do the villain mustache, but I yeah, can't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, good stuff yeah how was your well uh, you know I, I i i was still under the weather so i yeah. um i i did not make it out it was it's, cold didn't make it out it, it was cold i was um as much as i, I hated missing going trick-or-treating i was yeah i was kind of okay i'm just seeing pictures the traffic was similar but i didn't see any like all-star costumes that you know that's like oh really bang on really mm-hmm. great ideas but who knows? There was, and there also was no, there was not as many Barbie costumes that like everyone was like, oh, I'm waiting for the Barbie costume. They must have timed that movie wrong because I didn't see that. In I was going to say, is it was that ever, but sometimes some of those themes that are like older, they, they come yeah. back, but it was just, has it just been like overdone? Did everyone do so much Barbie stuff for like yeah, a while? I don't know. Like there's yeah. nothing, there was no other pop culture. Maybe kids, like, maybe Barbies is like a, is not a what kids play with anymore. I don't know. Well, that, that's, uh, that is not true. <laughs> all right all right okay and, yeah because i don't have you have you have daughters i don't have daughters <laughs> yeah there are plenty of barbies and i, okay, I guarantee you the sale, right, sale really, of barbies really... <laughs> has not decreased in the last year okay good good, like, good. <laughs> for sure with some market sample no, one of my daughters was involved in a barty trading trading scheme <laughs> oh, like wow. a year before That's the awesome. movie like bringing yeah. in barbies trading barbies one kid's not allowed to have barbies they're, they're like you know there's a bl- black market for barbies going on no, it's the whole trading thing. Do your kids trade? Um, not enough. I w- I wish they did. I wish <laughs> they did have some kind of racket. Yeah, my my my. You know, this she's she's uh, seven. She's got she. They do these like secret handoffs, like in like the hallway, like behind the back. They like, and it's not like you know we got in, I got in trouble back in the first grade for for um trading uh the got caught up in like a pog ring essentially okay and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who, who was it yeah to some Ooh. degree right Love um it. and apparently you're not allowed to have you know run businesses out of the school and um but but i it, was, it wasn't even that like they're trying to you know we were trying to make a little bit of money on the pogs I, they're just like literally trading you know barbies and this one girl's gonna bring another toy they're gonna give her the you know the barbie and anyway yeah. one parent wasn't a fan of barbies apparently but um teach their own all all is good all is all is good but the kids are trading they're bringing in fidget spinners they're bringing in little bracelets yeah all under all under the table this is not allowed pokemon cards oh yeah you cannot suppress markets i think that that's a hardcore lesson that everyone should learn prohibition doesn't work Matt. yeah it's it's true markets will find a way and they are they are finding their way um into the first grade what are you Um, doing price discovery exactly what is a fidget spinner well yeah. what, what's your fidget spinner look like i don't know <laughs> let's see they're making bracelets anyway um yeah. so the the, the economy, again we ask ourselves why gdp is at you know four percent why is growth so strong are you kidding we've got economic activity in the first grade they're, that's they're, right they're selling in bracelets and barbies yeah project i mean that, that stuff that that that, that heads up that heads mm-hmm. up, every yeah. pokemon card every you know how much yo-yo yeah 
yeah, a lot of value, a lot of value in those cards. I um, haven't heard much about NFTs recently, though, Matt. How's your NFT uh, um, portfolio looking? Uh, thankfully and gratefully non-existent. <laughs> I, uh, I just heard. I'm glad uh, I only made some. I, didn't, I, think that that I, I we, never actually bought any. That WeWork, uh, I think that WeWork, didn't they declare for bankers? I don't, I don't think they're specifically connected with NFTs, but that's. But you know, there's a lot. They're they're going to be under a lot of pressure right now. Although I heard that uh, that Bitcoin is is jumping. Yeah, yeah, I know. Not surprising. Um, yeah. For different reasons than it was before. But yeah, interest rates are high in there, and and Bitcoin's up now. I it is. It, could this be a tacit a, a tacit acknowledgement that that the economy is in for something shaky, and you want to get into Bitcoin as an independent? Asset. I don't know. I don't know, but it could be. I haven't done the now. I haven't done the analysis recently. I think yeah. the problem with Bitcoin is people aren't really sure. Like, other than you know, an asset that is can you know can be kind of cross border, move it around really mm -hmm. easily because um, it's you know it's definitely not anonymous. Yeah. Um, but it, but it's not necessarily been a good. There's not enough data to say it's been a good hedge against inflation. Okay, that's what I was wondering, like the gold substitute or something like that. Like, but is that gold really hasn't been a good hedge against inflation either. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think we need a little bit more time. Yeah, see how that looks. But, yep. Yeah. Well, Matt, um, looks like uh, looks like the rest of the team is packing up. It's <laughs> yeah. been a good day at the office. That's um, right. Well, make sure you're again, you're subscribed to the Great Capital YouTube channel. Um, hooking into the podcast. If you are an investor, you want to uh, make sure you don't miss out on the next Great Capital deal. If you, again, if you have to be accredited, go to greatcapitalllc.com and check that out. Um, check out the reports that Matt's been posting. Um, there'll be in the, there'll be a report button. You can go to our blog, check it out there. Um, you know, just keep in touch with us, Matt. We have anything else going on that we need to announce? Um, in about a week and a half in the Indianapolis area, we are having our multifamily networking hour at Penn's Mechanical in the Bottleworks District. So if you're in town, please in go there. In a month. In we'll a see it. December 14th. Yes. Yes. Be yep. there. We will December be. December 14th. Yeah. yeah. That'll be a good time. Thank mm -hmm. you for reminding me. For everyone, thanks for watching The Great Report, and yep. we'll see you in the next week.